Alright, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you because you have heard our prayers. Thank you because you have something good prepared for us. Lord, our lives have been transformed by the entrance of your word. We give you praise for it, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, because of our faith, we declare our faith in these words that we are saying as follows. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. That will be your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. The word will enter your heart. Amen. It will give you light. Amen. It will give you direction. Amen. It will heal you in every area. Amen. And it will make you more and more like the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, can you greet somebody on your left and your right? Just make them feel like they are, that you are happy they are sitting to your left and your right. Alright, greet somebody. And then take your seats. I'm going to continue today on, of course, what we've been speaking about for some time. And what we, are, we have been speaking about is the fact that we must get the full manifestation of our destiny. There is a destiny that God has ordained. There is a destiny that God has prepared. And it is not compulsory. That is, it's not as if because he has prepared it, it must happen automatically. We can decide to cap ourselves in such a manner that what God has ordained does not happen to us. It's possible. The Bible says that they tempted God in the wilderness and they limited the Holy One of Israel. God does not joke. When he went to call them so that they might come into the promised land, he meant it. He wanted them to come into the promised land. But they were not able because of, Bible says, of disobedience or because of unbelief. That tells us that our experiences are not necessarily what God wants us to have. The fact that God has proposed something does not mean it will come to pass automatically. The Bible says that they tempted God in the wilderness and limited the Holy One of Israel. The purpose that God had for their lives were not manifested. So if God has a destiny written for you, the days that were ordained for you were written in his books before there was any one of them. It does not mean it will happen automatically. What it means is, supposed, is that you are supposed to use that knowledge to restrain yourself. You are supposed to use that knowledge to guide your life. That is, knowing that, what God, that God has a plan, you start making choices according to that knowledge that God has a plan. For example, the Lord Jesus, one of the things I like most about him, that John chapter 12, there was a time things were rough. They were really rough. The economy of his soul was bad. Are you getting my point? What he was seeing ahead of him was not good. So he said, now what I need to do is leave one place and move to another ministry. Shift what I'm supposed to do and do something else. And he said, will I say that? He said, no, I cannot. Why? For this cause, I came to this hour. I've just respoken the things that he said. When he said that, will I say, Father, deliver me from this hour? He said, but for this cause, I came to this hour. That is, it is possible, listen, you must understand this, it would not have been a temptation if you could not say no. It is not a rewardable obedience if you could not say no. I hope you are getting my point here. The fact that you could say no and you do not say no is what makes that obedience 
a thing that can be rewarded. Let's never ever forget it. The fact that God has a plan for our lives, all right, does not mean that we will automatically work in that plan. He has a plan. That plan is supposed to give us a restraint, a restraint attitude. That is, when we want to make decisions in life, we are careful that with the decision I'm making, further the plan of God for my life, or it will hinder the plan for my life. You know, those are the things you want to know. I'm making a decision. How is it going to help me? All right, that's very important. There was a time uh, Peter came. You know, I, I said that some time ago. How do you know whether counsel is godly or is ungodly? Just check whose interest is his serving. Because Peter came to Jesus and said, none of these bad things will happen to you. And that is a very good counsel from a friend. A friend should not want you to be beaten. A friend should not want you to be arrested. A friend should not want you to be crucified. A friend should not want you to have pain. That was what Peter said to Jesus. We don't want these things to happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. That this, your attitude is a satanic attitude. Why? He said, you are not focusing on the interest of God. You are focusing on my interest. Now, even though it is good, are you getting my point? You are not focusing on the interest of God. That is, it looks good to me. It feels good to me. There was a time, of course, how many times I wanted counsel. Two things were clashing at a time. I had two invitations that both things I wanted. Both of them I wanted. All right? So I said, okay, I needed counsel. I called, I just called my friend Pascal. I said, listen, please, I need counsel. And he said, look, choose this one. Now, know the truth? Sometimes you talk to people because you want help concerning what you know you are going to do anyway. And you get to my point. You just wanted the strength to do it. So I said, look, what do you think? He said, look, uh, please go with this one. This one will further, now let's put it like this. This one will further ministry. This one will further the purpose of God in your life. This one is nice for your body. It's nice for how you feel. It's nice for what people will like around. He said, but you know, I'm, I'm putting words to it now. But you know, further the purpose of God. And I said to him, thank you very much. I knew that was what you would say. Maybe that's why I just, that's the reason why I called you. Okay, there's another brother I've spoken to before. And the kind of counsel he gave me, or which was the exact opposite, I said to myself, this guy either does not know me or does not know anything. I hope you're getting my point, you know, because it had to do with minding the things of the kingdom. The other brother did not mind the things of the kingdom. The things, he didn't mind the things, the interests of God. The people, when you're asking people for counsel, I've said it before, be careful you ask for counsel. Ask counsel of people who are focused on the interest of God rather than focus on your interest. That is why sometimes your earthly father, especially your earthly mother, may not be the best person to give you critical advice when it comes to some things. You need people who have, according to my classmates, who have borrowed in the things of the kingdom. You follow my point? When you want to ask for advice, go to people who who are serious about things of the kingdom. If you talk to the average person, they calculate the advice according to how it will suit you as an individual. How it will suit your relatives. How it will suit people around you. That's how they calculate. So when they give you counsel, it is not according to what is good in the sight of God. In the case of the Lord Jesus, Peter said, none of these bad things will happen to you. Jesus said, if these things don't happen to me, how will the purpose of God be fulfilled on the earth? If these things don't happen to me, how will people be delivered from their sins? If these things that you don't want to happen don't happen, how will it be that God's eternal plan will be fulfilled in this generation? Yes, it's painful to me, but that's how it has to be. So he said to him, get behind me, Satan, that any counsel that's not focused on the interest of God. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. Every time you have to make a choice in life, ask yourself, is this choice furthering the purpose of God? Is it furthering the kingdom of God or just establishing me as a person on the earth? If it's not furthering the purpose of God, there is satanic counsel. Don't ever forget it. It's satanic counsel. No matter how good it seems, it is satanic counsel. No matter how nice it sounds, it is satanic counsel. Satanic counsel never seems bad. That's what I tell you all the time. You say, what was Eve doing talking to a snake? Because a snake never spoke to Eve. Eve was not stupid. The Bible not says a serpent. We don't want to discuss that now. But when he used the word serpent, it wasn't describing that. Madam, can I talk The way you see it in films. No. My own conviction, I can't be dogmatic about it. You can reject this one, okay? You can't reject the first thing I said. Because that one, you'll be disagreeing with the truth. This one, <laughs> I'm about to say, is, is my opinion, all right? I am convinced. And the Bible says that Satan can appear like an angel of light. I am convinced an angel of light came to Eve. That was why there was conversation. Don't think Eve was a snake charmer, a snake talker. Someone says, stop me going around. Madam, can I talk to you? And then you stand there. No, she was not a snake charmer. An angel of light appeared. That's how Lucifer appeared to her. And she has seen angels. I've said it many times in the garden before. It was not new. Even the Lord used to come. So satanic counsel does not always look bad. That's what I'm saying. Satanic counsel will wear a good suit. We have a good degree. And many times, satanic counsel will have a reverend title. After all, the young prophet that God sent to Jeroboam, it was another prophet that caused him to die. So let's get that clear. Satanic counsel, you know, all this painting devil black with horns and, you know, and the red is not necessary. If you want to see Satan, draw a most beautiful human being, well-dressed, successful in life, with results to show. That's how Satan appears. And that's why a person like Eve would talk to Satan. But is this the counsel of God or is this counsel of Satan? Check whose interest it is focused on. If it's focused on the interest of your father, it's the counsel of Satan. If it's focused on the interest of your mother, it's the counsel of Satan. If it's focused on your own interest, it's the counsel of Satan. If it's focused on the interest of the society, it's the counsel of Satan. The only thing that makes it the counsel of God, all right, is that it's focused on the interest of God. That's what Jesus said. You know, it's in my heart again. I want to teach people how to make godly decisions. How to make godly decisions. I feel so strongly about teaching people that thing again. I, you know, sometimes I relax because I say, listen, you, you want to sound like a broken record. Every time you are repeating the same thing. But it's important. Christians get confused too much about this, their spirits that they are hearing. Please, the primary spirit you need to hear is the interest of God and of his kingdom. Once that is in front of your heart, then the spirits you are hearing cannot confuse you. Please bear it in mind. So, all of us, God wrote something about our lives. Will it happen automatically? No. It's as we pursue the interest of God in every decision we are making that the destiny that God prepared begins to manifest. I said last time, let me say it again. You cannot plan for God. You can only obey what you know each day. 
And then the plan that he has will work out in your life. Remember that life is broken into days. I said it last time, locate the assignment for each day. Then locate the principles, the commandments, the instructions of God that will satisfy the assignment of each day. Just leave it there. Focus on those ones and leave the rest. God will arrange your life. He will arrange your wife. Some people will relocate that, you know, there are more wives when you get to... You know, human beings make funny decisions. Now listen to me. Let me say something quickly again, all right? Let me say this very quickly. Christians, be careful when you are using a worldly mindset to reason. Now one of the problems people like us have, and many of us believers, when we are having to talk to people, where we sound stupid is that our, the things we are saying, they are against the common, worldly, and reasonable, you know, counsel, you know, thought process. I mean, it is reasonable that there are more jobs in Lagos. It's reasonable. I hope you get my point. It's reasonable that there's more, more cash flowing in Lagos than in Enugu. It is reasonable that if you were earning your money in Forex, it would have come to much more than if you were earning it in Naira. It's reasonable. It's very reasonable. It's reasonable that if you are in a place where they are kidnapping on the highways, and then they are bombing here and there, you might die quicker than a man who's in Switzerland that they hardly hear gunshots in a lifetime. It's reasonable. In fact, sometimes I have to caution myself, say, Banky, stop arguing with people on these reason things. Although, one of the reasons why I do that is because some of the reasons they are using are even unreasonable. <laughs> I don't know what I get my point. And when they say this place is better than here, you tell me, I say even on physical, physical analysis, is not better. It's not better. But you see, what we Christians are supposed to do, not we are not focusing on those physical analysis. We are focusing on the counsel of the Almighty. No, you know, I went to that. Some people say, "Okay, if you move over here, you will find better wives there. Travel." No, you don't relocate your life. If you go and see what Abraham did, even when Abraham sent Eliezer to go back to where he could find a godly girl for Isaac to marry. Eliezer said, what if the girl would not agree? <laughs> Abraham said, swear that you will never take my son away from here. That, listen, all this will marry, we don't marry. It must be it's secondary to fulfilling the call of God. God called me, brought me here. My family must be established here. If because the girl is so good, but she doesn't want to travel. Is the reason why Isaac will live here. Let Isaac die single. No, granted, that's Abraham's idea, you know, instruction. Say, Abraham, that Isaac, you must not, because Eliezer was a big man. Are you getting my point? If you check, Eliezer was a big man that had been with Abraham for decades. He controlled everything. If Isaac, Abraham had died without Isaac or Ishmael of those children, Eliezer would have taken over the whole. He was a big man. So he could make decisions. Okay, we are moving from here. Isaac, everybody pack. Let's go. <laughs> so Abraham, to make him swear, say, oh boy, my son will not leave this place. It wasn't the land that's the issue. Is that that was where God brought them to. I hope you get my point. It was not because of the fruitfulness of that land. There were places more fruitful than where Abraham was. When Abraham told the Lord, let us separate. Lord separated to a place that was very fruitful. And he relaxed. Take the better one. So please, let's get this point. Abraham told them, told him, Isaac is not living here for any reason. 
So sometimes when we're making decisions, that's when they say, we must be careful. We don't reason the way the world does. If you go to that place, it, listen, they may be reasonable in what they are saying, but your own reasoning is heavenly reasoning. It's heavenly reasoning. What they are afraid of, you are not afraid of it. A colleague of mine many years ago, he told me something. He said, what I fear most in life is poverty. And he showed in his shifting movement, he showed in how a devout Catholic, who he said all the days he was a student, he never believed in abortion. But by the time he finished and saw there was no money coming from anywhere, he became the abortion specialist in town. How did he become like that? It's simple. It was when they were talking. I met, I met him during my NYC years. Yeah. He said, my greatest fear in life is poverty. For us believers, <laughs> poverty, we are not afraid of it. We have learned to be the same, no matter the circumstances. So you are not afraid. Somebody in the country, you can easily go five hours from here, six hours from here. Is earning 20 times what you are earning. So, for us, it's not, a, it's not a serious issue. We don't use that to make critical decisions. We don't use it. <laughs> you guys said the, that the thing he fears most in life is poverty. To look for money and not to have it. Hey, I said, this guy, you don't know anything. This is how we went into eternal hellfire. What are we supposed to fear? God said, let the Lord alone. Let him be your fear. Let him be your what? Dread. What does that mean? Be afraid to disobey him. So if I'm making this decision, I'm going to earn me 25 million naira extra. But I'm staying here and I'm going to get 2,000 naira extra. I'll, 25 million is good. Amen? <laughs> But our first wait, which one pleases God? If God says your hunger for two more years is pleasing unto me, it's like a sweet smelly savour, an offering of sweet fat and meat of a young calf. Say, Lord, then two years fasting. Like I say all the time, Christians will reason. Don't think it's a matter of spirituality. That, uh, why are you here? You know? No. There are times for shma mama. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? There are times for that. But we reason. The difference between us and the world is not that we don't reason. And there are people of the spirit. No, that's not what it means. It's what we use to reason. That is the difference. Our yastics. You get my point? Our parameters. What matters to us? That's what the difference is. The spiritual person and the carnal person is not the one that's able to check his spirit. That makes him spiritual. No, it is that when you put spiritual things down, they are important to him. You cannot want them as we depart from him anytime the world shows him something attractive. But when Paul, we're making decisions, you say, eh, poverty, none of these things move me. Why? I don't count my life in any way as dear unto myself. What am I interested in? I just want to fulfill the reason why God placed me here. That's all. That's how Christians reason. We, but we are reasoning people. We are reasoning people. So let's get it clear. So each time in life we make a decision. It decides whether we are getting closer to that destiny or we are getting farther away from it or we are being stagnated on a particular spot. Each time what God wants to move us forward, he removes something from us. That's the principle of pruning. 
of the seeds that, 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 that were sown, some fell by the wayside. They didn't even, nothing. They didn't understand. So we're not talking about those ones. But the ones that began to sprout, show life, you will see what always prevents them from bringing forth fruit, fruitfulness, eh, coming forth into fruitfulness, is something else that's present. One of them says that thorns, you know, you see the ones that were, that, that the tongues choked the world. What happens is that they were planted where there were other things. The cares of this world, the decisions of riches, the loss for other things. If you look at the way the Bible was told, there were seeds inside the soil that grew up while the seed of the world was growing up. And those ones now choked the word and it became what? Unfruitful. Now, I'm looking at something here. That means that the ground that was good, in which that did not happen, it was because those things had been removed. I hope you're getting my point here. Now, I said something at the beginning of this series, that, somewhere near the beginning, that when God now wants to increase, increase the fruitfulness, it's the same principle. So, the ones that's 30, 60, and 100, hmm? the difference is how pure, how well that earth has been cleaned. Do you get my point? So, if you find a ground that still had a few tons there, it will bear fruit, but to be 30 fold. So when God wants to remove you from 30-fold to 60-fold, he goes not after the seed. He goes after the other things that are there, preventing the, fr- uh, the fruit from being a hundred. So he pl- pulls those things out. As he's pulling them out, now, the, the other expression in John chapter 15, Jesus calls those things what? Pruning. Because you see, parables we use different things to emphasize different things. In that particular one, Jesus now used the, the tree that's bearing fruit. The father will now prune. And remember we said, pruning it's not you don't prune dead things. You prune things that are alive, but they are not giving maximum productivity. Yet they are consuming nutrients. So as God is stripping you off, that's how your life is becoming more productive in spiritual things. It's removing friends from you, closing some doors, some obligations you thought you had. God just closed some doors. I hope you're getting my point. Why? He just wants to put more energy into the thing that is the real reason he gave you life. Let's be that thing, that thing in mind. It's very important to understand it. So, we have been explaining that. Now, last time I emphasized something to us. That remember, we don't strive towards fruit to be fruitful. We strive to abide. If you abide in him... Fruitfulness is automatic. If you are abiding in him, and we will go practical into, about it, what do I mean to abide in Christ? He says, my words abide in you. When you make the decision to focus on the word, we emphasized that God said, God was not saying, obey me. What he said to, to the people of Israel through Moses was, pay attention to me. I said obedience is a sign of attention well paid and conviction derived from it. Every time people disobey is a sign of doubt. Every time people disobey is a sign that they were not paying attention. Anytime people disobey is a sign they have forgotten. Forgetting is a critical reason people, people disobey. If you go and see that, God told Israel, make sure when you have a king, he will make a copy of the scroll for himself. And he will read it from the beginning to the end. And when he's done reading it, he will start again. And when he's done again, he will start yet again. 
And when he's done a second time, he will start a third time. And he will continue like that all the days of his life. He said if he does that, he will not forget his ordinances. He will not forget his commandments. And if he obeys them as a result of focusing on them, the result is that he will endure on his throne. The result is that he will prosper in his kingdom. And the extent to which kings failed in Israel was just to the extent that they disobeyed that simple instruction. And the instruction was, get a book and read. <laughs> the instruction was not pray. No, it was get the book and read. The instruction was not obey what's in the book. The instruction was, no, get the book and read. As you are obey- reading, obedience will come out of you. That's the way it works. So the instruction is very simple. And listen to me, in life, it's always simple. The instructions of God are always simple. Listen, it's as we obey those simple instructions that we move towards 100% manifestation of destiny. You see, what do you mean the instructions are always simple? I give the example of the people of Israel, the kings of Israel. The instruction was get a book and read. So Joshua, do you want to succeed? Yes. You want to do well? Yes. Okay, you have a simple instruction. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It's the same thing like the kings had. His mouth was, he was supposed to take it and read it out to himself all the time. Recite it. It was a simple instruction. Let me say something to you again. Satan knows these principles. So when he wants to attack and help and make Christians go wrong and disobey God in life, he also goes for the small things. When I say go for the small things, he will just distract the man from reading. How will he do that? The kingdom will prosper. He will just realize the kingdom will prosper. So the economists will have meeting with the king from 6 in the morning to 9 in the morning. Then the generals will have their own meeting from 9 to 12. The businessmen, you know, the economists are the policy people, the people who are really doing the business, their own will be from 12 to 3. And then the union leaders will be from 3 to 6. And then the prophets and priests will be from 6 to 9. And then his wife and children will be from 9 to 12. And then his new wife will be from 12 to 3. And then he will collapse at 3 o'clock. And then wake up. Because the next set of economists, they have arrived by 6 a.m. And if he's not well disturbed, the kingdom must prosper some more. Why? So that he will be busy. Every time there is growth, there will be more to do. But the discipline for truly successful children of God is to know something that are sacred, you don't touch. How you know your success is not good for you is it starts touching sacred things. And usually is a <laughs> is a result of the sacredness of those things that begins to tempt you to go away from the sacred. Now, let, let, let me explain what I'm going to say here. Let me just explain that further. What happened to the church? They grew. Peter got up, gave one sermon. 3,000 people joined the church. One sermon from just 120 in the upper room and some that were not in the upper room. Maybe they were in the lower room, outer room, their house rooms. Paul, uh, Peter got up, gave one 
sermon. 3,000 people joined. The word began to multiply and grow. The church in a few months was in thousands and thousands. And they began to organize. And that's, a, that's a progress. The church is fruitful now. Organization had to start. Okay? Um, so, uh, please, uh, everybody that's not eating, you come to this side. But you know, Jesus had warned them. Of course, along the line, quarrel will start. There were some native Jewish women. They were the ones controlling the food. So they served their people first. And some other women now gathered and said, because we are not from Jerusalem. Tribalism. Hmm. This is how it starts. We must stand for our rights. And the responsible thing that every government will do is to bring Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, all those men that Jesus taught to come and take charge of things. But Peter said, eh, that is satanic counsel. Peter simply said, listen, it is not right for us, no matter if we want to quarrel, quarrel. But we will never leave the ministry of the word and start serving tables. We will never leave the ministry of the word and start serving tables. Once I heard a man preach, successful preacher, he was gathered somewhere. Someone I asked him, he was talking about how to manage your ministry, how to run the accounts, how to do this one. So somebody now stood up and said, but is that not leaving the ministry of the word and serving tables? He said, listen, when Paul said that there was no IRS, that <laughs> when Peter said it, that there was no entire revenue service. Is that quoting ministers that had gone to prison because they were not putting their eyes I said, ah, oh God, no, this is satanic council. I was watching it on TV. I said, this is satanic council. The man that told you that I just quoted the scripture for you. You think there was no IRS that time? There were other things. Well, for those who, IRS is our internal revenue service, which is the, that they, they are the most feared government units in America. Because you send it to prison. Like my father said, my mother was telling me last week, he said they like to do it, that they don't send people to prison. IRS said they don't. Do you know why? It doesn't help them. They find, if they catch a poor man cheating on his tax, they find him. Say, but when they catch a rich man, they don't find him. I said, why? He said, no, no, no. That, that's they, they, said they need to make somebody an example. So when they catch a big person, they will try him. They will put him in prison. It's just three years. But go there. Then those who come after you, <laughs> they will be afraid. And they will pay taxes. And you know in America, there's no government drilling oil somewhere and selling to somebody. They depend on the taxes for everything. Anyway, so this pastor, you can understand. He said, ah, no, he doesn't want to go to prison. So he puts his eyes in. Well, I understand what he's trying to say. But again, I said to myself, that's not right. If I were the one, I would say, well, what did Paul say? Uh, what did Peter and Co say? Then you get good accountants, trusted accountants, and you, you will hand over the responsibility to them. Because some things are sacred. They are. They are sacred. I wrote something some time ago and I preached about it. I call them the, the priestly corner of life. Those are things that people do that appear small, inconsequential. But they are the real things that propel the progress and success outside. The church was growing plenty. It was because Peter and Co. focused on prayer 
and the ministry of the word. So when Satan wants a king in Israel to fail, what does he do? He's simple. Distract him. Make sure that his simple instruction, he can't keep it. And that's why it's always sad. Listen to me, everybody listening to this, either you are here present, or you downloaded this from the internet, or somebody shared it to you, you are listening to this. Be careful when you start giving, I'm very busy, as an excuse for things like, that's why you don't see me regularly in fellowship. That's why I can't come for the prayer meetings. That busyness is not good for you. Listen, even if you become the president of the country, that's probably the busiest you'll ever get in this our nation. Please let it not happen as the excuse why the time or the times of the week that you used to use to study the word of God and pray is no longer doable. You see, life is very, very tricky. When I say tricky, now is this. You know, when you say you don't have time, you know what God is saying? Amen. Did you hear what I said? When you say you don't have time, amen. You know what that means? You will not have time. Something will feel every moment. But if you just give God his time, you'll be amazed how every other thing will arrange. You know, Israel used to have those temptations. The, the little things God gave them. Let me give Israel as an example. I'm going to give you a number of things that God gave to Israel as commandments. And like if you've heard me teach about those things, I emphasize that the, there's a spirit behind them. I must never lose the spirit. Even though we're not giving those direct commandments and instructions, the spirit behind those things must never leave us. You must make, make sure the spirit never leaves you. I just want to give you a number of examples. Number one, Israel was not allowed to work seven days a week. They could only work how many days? Six days. For every reasonable country with economies from IMF and World Bank, it's a waste. China does not have the sixth day, the seventh day that we have. If you go to China, they work all the time. Communists too, they didn't have it. That's Russia and all of that. And I want to say something. I don't mean it, but I want to say it because that's what they're thinking. And it's one reason why they are prospering. Why they are prospering. It's the reason they are prospering. They don't have time to be going to church because religion is the opium of the masses. Church does not let people think. When they go to church, they can think. See, Chinese people don't bother going to church. Look at how they are conquering the world. I hope you don't even really secretly believe that rubbish. Because if you do, it shows you you are, you are too ignorant about life. You don't know what life is about. And you have not bothered to read the history of places like USSR. Israel had that as a commandment. Six days you walked, seven days, the seventh day you did nothing. Of course, some people carry it to funny extremes, like you can't even switch off your light. If you left it on, you can't put it on, that's not what the Lord meant. But the way it was is that you couldn't cook on a Sabbath day. So anything you wanted to eat, and Sabbath started by, from 6 p.m. on Friday and ended 6 p.m. on Saturday. So anything you wanted to eat, you cooked it before then. Otherwise, you have to eat things. You could eat, but you couldn't cook. You couldn't travel. They had a Sabbath day's journey. So you could only move around in the neighborhood, basically. Now, that's not all. 
You also had a Sabbath year every seventh year. You will farm for six years and shut down the farms in the seventh year. Not only that, you had a Sabbath of the Sabbath, which means that after you have done seven years, every, the seventh year for every seven years, in the seventh cycle, in the 50th year now, you declared another Sabbath in which if anybody was owing you, you canceled the debt. And then a commandment was given to them. That don't say, now let me explain what I'm saying. If you buy land from somebody in need of money, you return the land in the 58th year. Now I don't mean 50 years from the time you bought it, the next jubilee. It's called the year of jubilee. So if you bought it in the 48th year, you can only hold the land for two years. So if, if somebody needed money from you in 48 years, you say, oh, only. You don't want to pay me. Because at the end of next year, he's not, he's not, you can't ask for the money again. Now that's not the only thing. God now gave a commandment that you must never say because it is close to the year of Jubilee, you will not lend. <laughs> that that one alone is a sin. That somebody say, please, sir. Pastor, okay, me, please. Eh? I just need you to help me. Just give me this money for my children's school fees and then I'll have to roof my house that the, the storm blew the roof of last week. And you are checking, and you are coming six months to Jubilee. What kind of evil spirit are you? Say, don't worry. I will lend you the money, but come in seven, in seven months. When you know that the Jubilee has been, re, has been reset, and I have 50 years to collect my money. <laughs> because if you do that, that one again is a sin. You know, I've reason about people have tried to explain the benefits, you know, the family, when it's during Sabbath, family will be together, you know, the land will lie fallow, all of those things are human reasoning. Basically, God gave the commandment, how it works, we don't know. But there's something about it, it's very spiritual, you know why? God said, just watch it. The sixth year will always yield double. So that you won't even need to farm in the seventh year. You know how often Israel kept that seventh year? Sabbath. Do you know how often? They never did. Because it doesn't make sense. It, God can say anything he likes. He doesn't farm. Is <laughs> it the way human beings reason? I, I should forgive. What have they ever done to God? Is it not God? Let them come and offend me. The way they offended me, he will stop talking that forgiveness thing. That's how they were reasoning. Do you know? Israel not for one day kept that Sabbath. Because it didn't make sense. How can you leave the land follow? And you know the result? They had lived 490 years. So God collected them and sent them into Babylon for 70 years. He said, why? So that the land will enjoy the Sabbath. I hope you're getting my point. He said, so that the land will enjoy the Sabbath. I'm going to say something here. Listen. Everybody, as a believer, God will give you what I call the priestly corner in your life. Don't touch it. Why did I choose priestly corner? God, you think it's only land and time? God didn't only take land and time. He took people. He took a whole tribe and said, all the young men between this age and this age, you will not farm. You won't go to war. You see, they are offering sacrifices. You'll be slaughtering animals and teaching. Now, many people don't realize that teaching aspect. One of the major issues Israel had, one of the things God gave Israel was what they call a teaching priest. So the priests were supposed to keep the people in line with the word of God. The prophets were only needed when they went offline. 
If look, listen, the priests, their job was they come explain the commandments. You came to the temple every year. You come for the festival. It wasn't just to eat and go. You took instructions. So the, and the priests were scattered all over Israel. They were the basic. No, they're what you call pastors today. They were the ones who led Israel in day-to-day instruction according to the law. The prophets were only needed when they started breaking the law. Now, so God took the choice men and made them jobless by worldly standards. And it got to a point in Israel, the priests couldn't survive. So they went to look for work. Why? People are not bringing their tithes. Ah, if you sit down for priesthood, priesthood, offering was not complete. Now, listen, I keep on telling Christians, when you want to interpret scriptures, be careful to know the whole thing. The offering in Israel were not... Oh, please, you have an offering for the ministry, put in the basket there. Today, special offering, that's not it. The offerings in Israel were prescribed to the letter. If this happened, you give this. If your wife delivered, you did this one. If you have a you did this one. It was written clearly. And if they obeyed it, the priesthood was a very good business. I mean, you, what are you saying? You ate well, you lived like everybody else. But Israel did not do all of that. What does they bring animal? If the guy has fat, ten animals, he will look for the thinnest one and say, that's it. I said, that is the tithes. First fruit of what? He was too busy harvesting. He couldn't because he was supposed to rush the first fruit to the temple. You know, you rushed it there. He was too busy. They, get, they had a lot of laws. Another long one, tell you how wasteful they are, the laws of their society were. They had another law. You don't harvest everything that's on your farm. If you're harvesting, you give some gap at the edges. So if, if your land is this whole, maybe the whole of this one in now, some people are that rich, you understand? You just say, okay, anything like 50 meters from the edges, we don't touch. And when we're harvesting, you harvest row by row. Once you pass a row, you can't go over it again. It's against the law of God. It's called the law of gleaning. Why? So that those who didn't have, we come and pick the ones you did not harvest or the ones that fell by accident. If you fell, you don't touch it up. God said, those who will come who are hungry, those are the ones they will eat. You know what? If Israel did all of that, this is the interesting part. There was no, it was not a physical law. It was a spiritual law. They would prosper. They would prosper. Listen to me. They would prosper. Think about it. When manna used to rain from heaven, fall from heaven for them, it used to fall double portion on the sixth day. So they didn't have to come on the seventh day. If they follow the law, the land will yield twice on the, in the sixth year. They didn't have to farm in the seventh year. But they just refused to obey. Now all this is I call the priestly corner of life. Are actually the things that power the prosperity they see elsewhere. So the king, for example, shouldn't see any economists. No matter where they come from, they should tell the economists, sorry, six to eight o'clock is the reading time for the king. Say, but they will leave. They let them leave. They are not the source of the prosperity. Say, they are IMF. They've come to see the president. Say, sorry, the president reads between six and eight. This is United Nations coming to visit the kingdom of David. Say, sorry, David reads between six and eight. What is he reading? The same book he has been reading for the last 20 years. The book must be big. No, he has read it like 50, 500 times right now. And he must still read it. That is the only reason why people are here. If he was not reading it, you wouldn't come here. 
Now listen to me, naturally it doesn't make sense. There are people here that God says, listen, that listen, there are certain days you don't go out before 12 o'clock. I don't care how prosperous you become, even if Dangote and Tedela become your personal friends. Tell them, on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or certain days, between, be, before 12, don't call me, my phone will be off. Why? It's my reading day. Listen to me. People who are in shrines, do you know what they do? So don't even think that you are doing anything strange. Let them know that's my juju. So, boy, say, Chief, don't you have Babalao? You get. You, anytime you tell me you are going to Mecca, what do you go to do? Somebody they are going to Mecca. <laughs> you don't know where they go. They go for fortification. Oh, 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 oh. This, you think, you know, if you talk, they say you are being superstitious. It's not superstition, no. You don't just wake up in the morning, just make 12 billion dollars. And your sister needs to never bend. And there's no igile in your back for you. There's no support. There's no iron rod keeping your back. Leave that. Don't be annoyed with big men. In this life, you will join the court. Listen. It's poor young men that think it's not necessary. When you are still struggling, still earning, you know, after struggling the whole week, you put 15,000 naira together and you say, hey, man, it's working. That's why you're still talking that rubbish. When you start competing with men who, when they finish one transaction, each man goes on with 10 billion naira. They don't behave the way you are behaving. You think you don't live life, you don't join something. That's you can call me any name you like. That's how life is. Go and read, read Strive Masiwa. That one is a Christian court man. Are you getting my point? Yes. It's a real one. When they are going for bidding, eh, they want to go and bid for licenses. The court boys are at home working. What do I mean by that? The man has flown from Zimbabwe to Nigeria to come and bid for a license. You think he just came to sit because he has done economics, because he has done his projections. Yeah, he did all of those things, but he has boys at home who will sit down there. They are declaring the word of God in the name of Jesus. Doors open. He surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. Whatever we do, we prosper. We prosper in going out. We prosper in coming in. They are there until he comes back. They can't stop. A Christian will now prosper and say he's too busy to come to church. You know, you, you just, they take the priestly corner of life and throw it away. <laughs> Sometimes I read stories, you know. There's, you know, you learn little things here and there. They will tell you that um, uh, Sergi Brin and uh, Larry Page, you know, uh, that was the year they went to the burning man. I said, what is in this burning man that you people go to as a pilgrimage? I'm sorry, you may say I'm thinking like an African, but it's not true. I'm thinking like a Christian. No, go and Google up Bonnie Man. Almost all of them go. Almost all these boys, they, they go for Bonnie Man. Say, one man, uh, they go there, they burn a big, a big image of a man. And everybody goes every year to Nevada's, Nevada desert to go and burn something that has, does not exist. Come on, tell me another story. You think because you coded, now you take make money. Listen, even if you say no, for me, nothing happened. Your mother was praying for you. Somebody had to pray for you. You think this life is this day? I go to the bank, I come back, I borrow money. I told you, <coughs> I was talking to, you know, I was telling you about. He said, man of God, I have labored in this life. I have struggled. I have worked. 
say we'll, 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 say we'll be awake by 4 a.m. in the shop, those are young boys, to base, do everything, get ready to open on time. He said, by 12 midnight, we're just leaving. He said, but I can tell you, 95% of what I am today didn't come from that. He said, it's just God. Even because you coded money till night, you did not sleep. That's how you prospered. Please leave that side. Though. Even if it didn't start like that, as you are beginning to climb in life, let me tell you, believers, you start jamming things. You start seeing unreasonable doors closed against you. Please go and read Strive Master Your story. You will see people, fellow Zimbabweans, you are trying to develop the economy. And they said, no. Why? Sign this paper. Why should I sign it? So that you will win the license and become a big man. It's not so easy to be a big man. Then they spread news about him that he's a foreign agent. Ha! Apart from being heaven's agent, which other agent would that young man be? This is an American agent who wants to infiltrate their society. I'm telling you, the, you, know, you, you know, I've told you, when you are still selling Richard's card, one five, you know, three times a day, you think that's all there is to business. <laughs> Did you watch Outdoor Basis on the last time? If you watched that video going around, he says some people have this economy by the jugular. He said they will kill to retain it like that. You didn't hear him say it. He said, this is how they have their lives. This is how, he said, they build their lives on this importation of this and that. He said, they, listen to me. He said, they will kill to retain it like that. Dorak, when you came out, fighting fake drug, fake drug. This is, they do Boy Scout. You, you know, you don't know what you are dealing with. When Daniel was fighting fake drugs in Babylon, you saw what happened to him. Daniel, in the, in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. Daniel said, this Daniel is too good. No corruption to be found. All right, no problem. Put him over everything. The boy said, where? They did everything. Listen to me. They canonized a king to have Daniel removed. One day I was meditating about it. Please help me understand. I said, how did they persuade this king to say this kind of rubbish? That nobody should pray for a month. Why one month? Then suddenly I had understanding. And I realized how Catholics canonize saints. I said, oh, it's the same thing. Oh, it's not new. They came to him and said, this kingdom has prospered under your watch. You must be a, king. You must be a god. He said, can you say I'm a god? He said, let's, practice, let's check it now. Okay? Release an edict. That nobody prays to any other god in the whole of your kingdom for 30 days. It was an experiment. When Catholics want to make somebody a saint, you know what they do? They must have authentic testimony. Well, the way they say it, two miracles occurring because they print that person's name. For those of you who don't know, that's how it's done. So they say, okay, this particular priest, um, let's assume there was a priest that, that died in Enugu 200 years ago, and his name is Reverend Father Uche. They say Uche wants to be a... They first beautify him, was it beatified? I don't even know. Beatified, whatever. People will now start praying with his name. Holy Uche, pray for us. Holy Uche, pray for us. No, I'm not, you are laughing. I'm not joking. No, 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 I'm not joking. That's how it's done. So you see somebody who's sick, almost dying, you go there and say, Holy Uche, pray for us. Once you do that, and two people come and testify that they got answers, 
Then the Pope says, truly, in heaven he's a saint. Then he, he, he canonizes him on the earth. That was what they wanted to do to the king. They said, just watch it. Okay, right, let's, make, let's be sure. Nobody prays to any other God apart from you for 30 days. If it doesn't work, then we are lying. The king said, eh, now suppose they become God. All of this to remove one man. No, I never thought about it. Why was he so angry that he killed the men, their wives, and their children? In replacement for Daniel, he was, you were sorting my intelligence. Oh, so this was all to get at one man. You called me a god to get towards one man. All right, no problem. So you, you know who are gods. All right, no, Allah. Enter the place. See whether the lions are gods. Oh, yeah? No, some, some of those Bible stories, if you don't know the reason, it's going to be wondering... And these people were irrational. They were not irrational. You know, he, he felt fooled. Because by the time Daniel came out, Daniel not told what was going on. He said, yeah. So all this, you're a God, you're a God. It's just about you being sacked. That's how I put it all of them. I said, everybody, lions chop, chop, tire. Lion won't look like lion too, boy. I don't, I don't fool. He said, man, come chop this woman. This woman is fat. Where were you? It's sweet. What am I saying? That's the kind of thing you are dealing with. When you move up to certain levels, that's what you are having to deal with. And that's why men you thought were normal people. To move from one level, you are angry with them. Say, what are they looking for? He joined the cult. No. He wanted to survive. He was going to get killed. Literally. He needed to survive. He had fallen sick mysteriously two times. And a friend of his told him, look, listen, this was how Chinedu before you died. You want to survive? Either you leave this business, or, <laughs> I won't mention one city in Nigeria. I won't tell you the name of the city. But they have a thriving transportation. Everybody has, okay? But this one they have. Those are the I heard the story. You want to start a transport company in that city. And you don't join Uboni. And you try to start seeing men start transport companies, and they were dying. Some fall sick and die. Some, they shoot them and they die. Somebody said, look, listen, this thing, the people control it. You don't just walk in. Because you're able to buy seven buses. <laughs> That's what they give to people as counsel. And the guy will say, okay, so what do I need to do? We have a meeting tomorrow. Follow me. Do I need to do anything? Nothing. Just come for the meeting. When you get there, they just share communion. You drink wine. You don't enter. It's when you want to start moving in levels. Say, what's your turnover? 200 million in a whole year. And you say you're doing business. Say, hey, Andrew, what's your turnover? Last year, 3.5 billion. But then I ask another people, say, ah, boy, sign that take duam. That's how they start prescribing sacrifices for you. <laughs> Before you know that, after 88, you don't borrow inside. You are now luo. I know I sound like an African, but I'm telling you, even when you people do it, don't let them lie to you. That is why it is so stupid. That's why Christians will enter a political office. They, don't, they are not normal again. Why? Because those guys know church service is when they have the core meeting to choose the next gubernatorial candidate. And you will leave the church service to come for the meeting because you want to be governor. Why do you think they picked it the day you are supposed to be in church? When you know your service is five, four o'clock you get and say, ah, chief, where are you going? I have a church service. Look, after today, he said, listen, 
See, he that is from above is above all. Tell them straight. A man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. I'm going to church. If it is my own, you will keep it. If you guys take it before I come back, it was never mine in the first instance. Don't forget. He, God of heaven, is a governor among the nations. He chooses one king. He removes another one. I'm going to church. Thank you very much. This, some of these are tests. They are tests. They are tests. God has allowed them to test you. They are tests. But Christian will not tell you that, you know, I'm very busy. You know, this political activity these days, you know, it takes a lot of my time. And before now, you were going to church regularly. You were chopping the word. Every morning, 6 o'clock to 7, you are declaring scriptures. Now you don't have time again. You don't even know when last you and David spoke. That's Psalms. David has not led you in intercession for some time. If you were not like that before, that's not a problem. But that's how you were before. It is this progress, economic, financial, political progress that's taking it away from you. It is Satan that is baiting you. Starts taking you away from the priestly things of life. Like I said, you know, I went to this under explain something. They're not normally big things. They're small, small things. It's just a habit. Psalm 18. Just reading it. My children and I read Psalm 18 this morning. I said, ha, ha. This psalm, you know, you mean you are, you were here. And I've not read it in a while. I felt bad. I felt terrible. Powerful psalm. Psalm 18. Powerful psalm. I was feeling, I was just thanking God. Thank God victory came this morning. I said, Daddy, yeah, they want to teach the Bible today. I said, no problem. I said, what do we read? I, my mind just, I searched for something. It hits 18. Ah! As I was doing Psalm 18, I was saying, mm-hmm. Banky, and you have not read this psalm in a while. That psalm is supposed to be tedious. You know what they call tedious? It's called three times a day. That's a, that's a code. Pharmacists and doctors used to talk about patients' head. It was really morning, afternoon, and night. Listen, Satan, listen. It is those, you know, what looks small? Israel, their priesthood was the foundation of their society. Three things were tied together. There was a covenant, which was why they had a relationship with God. Then there's what the Bible calls the law of the covenant. That's how it goes. Three things. One, there's what? A covenant. Then next, there's what? The law of the covenant. And then there's a priesthood of the law. The priesthood serves the law. They taught you the law. They gave you the remedy when you broke the law. You needed to serve the priesthood. Do you know this priest started getting hungry? Because God told them how to keep the priests there. How you took a tenth of what you earn every third year, you gather it. Every year you come for offering is the priest's stone. There are few offerings that are burnt. Anything that's not burnt, look, in an offering, eh? they say remove the fat from here, burn it. Those priests were professional dissectors of animals. You remove the kidney, the fat above the kidney, the one here, you, the entrails, you wash it with water. Then when you finish all of that, anyone that's not burnt, you know who owns it? You know now. The priests. Food was not a problem. Look, and the way God did it, that, that one, only the priest, his wife and his children can eat. That is, if you're a visitor, forget. You can't go and be using while you to visit the priest when offering is happening. And I said, oh boy, let's go and visit the priest. God said, eh, this one, are you a priest? Are you a descendant of a priest? He said, no, go. 
You need to be a priest, a Levite, to eat some things. So those guys were guaranteed to eat well. Yet Israel decided that everybody should go and walk. I've seen people tell pastors before that if a pastor, why can't pastors hold another job? If a pastor decided to hold it, please leave it like that. But it's an insult to prescribe it. Go and read my book, so we'll pay for this. If he's not preaching, fine. You should go hungry. But if a man is laboring in word and in doctrine, and you say expect to go to go there and be, and be doing carpentry and making tents. He said, Paul used to make tents. Go and check it. The moment Timothy appeared, he dropped it. Oh, you think Paul sat down there morning after the making tents? And now you go get this book. <laughs> There's a place you make tents rich. You can't have Revelation of Hebrews. When you decorate the tent, the revelation of Philippians will disappear. There's an advancement, there's a promotion in the tent making business. It will never let you write to Ephesians. There were some priestly things that God gave Israel. They were unreasonable to the societies around them. Why do you take a whole year you don't farm? If you were farming every day before, she will understand. You were not even doing seven days, you were doing six days. And you know, this is Israel, we should read the story of Israel. It was full of festivals. Three festivals in a year. And one of those festivals, in like 40 days, boys, they chop money. <laughs> Honestly, Israel as a place, it was a place to be. It was party every day. There was always occasion for something. If people don't do bed in your house, God did his own bed by himself. There's no wahala. There's Passover. There's feast of ingathering. Do you know that kind of thing? Why must there be a feast because you're harvesting again? It was, according to Lagbaja, every day, party, ijo. <laughs> that was Israel. Israel had a lot of parties. And the rest of the nations around didn't understand what was going on. So it was so easy for Israel to backslide. So when, but listen, the things that they backslid from were simple things. Very simple. Read the law. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So they did not do it. Rest every Sabbath day. Worshipping God was simple. You know, you may, you may have, some people, they think it's hard. It was very simple. One, the only thing you killed were animals. Your children didn't pass through fire. The only injury in quotes, in quotes, in quotes, that your children and yourself will ever suffer is circumcision. On the eighth day, you circumcise the boys alone. All God says, bring the animal and sacrifice, which is good because it's the priest that eats most of it. When you pay the tithe and bring to the household, the storehouse, it was used to feed the priest and the poor in your neighborhood. Being a, a Jew was simple. The laws were simple laws. You think they were not hard. Don't take another man's wife. Why do you want another man's wife if your head is correct in the first place? Is that a bad, is it a hard law? It was even cheap because there were no gods to make. Artemis, the other gods, you had to make some with silver, expensive things. This one, there was no, nothing. If I said this, you surprise some people. Even that temple, it was not God's idea. But that was splashing money, splashing money, splashing money. <laughs> God said, these people there, now what? 
Worship in a tent, they said, no, our God is too big for a tent. See, did I ever complain? He said, okay, okay, okay. You, you, know, you will not build it. Your son will build it. So Moses, David sat down and said, yeah, give me the plan. So God drew a plan for him. He said, let's build it like this. I have thought about it. I'm convinced. See that tent, that original tent. God was okay. He told David, he said, why didn't I ever complain to you? Because you know what was happening to David? David has so prospered that his house, it was like the house of Shane bin Rashid al-Maktoum, the ruler of Dubai. So you can imagine you leave that palace and then enter a tent to worship. Ah! It's like, God is not good now. <laughs> God said, did I complain? David said, you don't have to complain. We know what is good. <laughs> no, that's how it began. Because when Solomon, in fact, the apostle said that when Solomon decided to build that temple, that he wrecked the economy. Now that's David Posse, not Banky. But where I agree with him is that that whole thing, worshipping God was not that difficult. God was not concerned. If that tent is not big enough, build a bigger tent. <laughs> Offer the sacrifice and go home. But it didn't make sense to average people. The things of God can be that simple. Just take the Bible and read it every day. Like I said last time, you know, I've, thought, I've investigated for a long time. Why is prayer so difficult? I think we just made it difficult. This Pentecostal prayer that we pray is a difficult prayer. I'm sorry. I used to wonder, the Bible said that the apostles gave themselves the, you know, to pray. I said, ah, the way we do it, no, they for don't die. Every day. Forget it. <laughs> you know, you know, this prayer, I've mentioned about it for a very long time. Ah, I mentioned about it for a very long time. They're not doing like that. The, no, I am convinced if Peter comes to our services now, he'll be wondering, now, is this where the Christians are gathering? He won't be able to recognize us. Paul may be able to guess that, okay, these are Peter, don't mind them. They are Corinthians. Paul entered Corinthian church. This is a typical prayer. He's a Corinthian. Paul entered the place. Say, what are people doing here? Say, we are praying. We're in the spirit. What? Say, we are speaking in tongues. Say, hey, I speak in tongues more than you all. But, not be like this. Oh. This is pure cacophony and commotion. I'm convinced. One day I saw a video. You know those funny videos people make and share around on WhatsApp? That one was very funny. <coughs> they said, which prayer is... There were two different videos. <laughs> one showed different kinds of prayer. <laughs> showed us the Catholic prayer. Hey, Mary, full of grace. Then I showed... Um, <laughs> no, Pentecostal prayer. That's the first one. The first thing you see is the handkerchief. As the guy, they wipe his sweat. He kabayakata yakapota. Then next he showed the MFM prayer. That one, he didn't know when he knocked his prayer partner down. Because somebody had to die by fire. The other video I saw that was also very funny. That one wanted to show that Muslim prayer is easier than Christian prayer. He shows Islamic prayer. People kneel down, bow down. 
rise up, carry their hand like this, kneel down, bow down. He now showed the Christian prayer. I said, ah, but this is not fair. This is not, this is not Christian prayer. This is not fair. Now, what made me laugh was that he showed two guys pray. They now had one little boy to join them. That boy was now the clown. That one just laid on the back like that. Just it. <laughs> you see, people, of course, one guy carried chair, put on his head. I said, ah, bah. Ah, bah. This is not Christian prayer. Truly, what we do a lot is our habit. God is just tolerating some of them. He will see answer. Whether you shout, you don't shout, he will answer. The difference is whether the, the man that gets the answer, his voice is clear. And the one that gets the answer, oh, well, thank God, the answer has come. You know? <laughs> Choose one. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he hardly spoke above a whisper. He just spoke enough for those around to hear. He said, if they were not here, I would not have shouted this much. So don't, all this noise making is not the reason why you are ahead. What am I going to say? Christianity, that's worshipping God is not hard. In that sense, it's not. Those who were able to devote themselves to prayer continually, one of the reasons is that they knew what to say. If Peter rose up to pray, James knew what he was going to say. This manufacturing fantastic words, it was not their habit. It was, they knew, look, once Peter gets up to pray, James knew where he quote from. What are they praying about? It's not healing. Uh-huh. Which other scripture do they want to use? It's not the same one that we know. He would never say, by the unction upon me. They didn't know the meaning of that. They just pulled out the psalm. Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion. Forget my, forgive my transgressions. They will read that psalm, put a hand in the name of Jesus, we speak to you, be healed. I, I know what I'm telling you. He's not going to pray more than that. What am I going to emphasize? But those simple things, we neglect them. Satan takes us away from them. Manchester United will start playing match at the time you wanted to raise some 18. The business partner, that the one man that's supposed to connect you with one major business, as you open some 18, he will call. You don't think he's satanic? He said, let me just quickly answer him. Ah, that's all he wanted. Quickly answer him. As you quickly answer him, story will start. Uh-huh. As he's calling, he's okay, okay. Uh, they are at your gate now. Uh, okay, no. That's it. Before you know what's happening. Four hours later, Psalm 18 has not been read. Sometimes you get that business, sometimes you don't. And when you get it, that's even horrible because it's now a confirmation of the temptation. Because tomorrow you will fall for it again. See, if you don't get it today, you will be happy. You will have taken correction. Those little habits. That's where Satan goes. He knows that is his secret. I've been thinking about it. This thing the Bible talks about. You look at it. Prayer. Ministry of the word. Prayer. Ministry of the word. That's the key for believers. Beginning, that is, if somebody wants to be healed, it's prayer. Ministry of the word. If somebody wants to succeed, it's ministry of the word. Prayer. If they want to live long, it's prayer, ministry of the word. If the family is going to be good, it's ministry of the word and prayer. It does, it, that's the beginning, that's the end of it. It's not seminar on how to love your wife. You know, how to arrange the flower bouquet. If you are doing, if it's her birthday, all those things are, are look, look. It's as you like it. I was watching one woman on TV, Shark Tank. 
They're talking about flowers. She makes fake flowers. You know what they call fake flowers? She makes flowers. So, ah. so the shark tank said, no, no, no. How can a man give me flowers that's, um, that's, that's fake? I, I wouldn't like it. You know what the woman said? He said, yes, in your neighborhood. Because a bunch of flowers in America is $50. If one of the very rich bouquet is $100 and above. So the woman said, in your neighborhood, maybe. He said, but where I come from, if your husband brings $50 flower home, that's family quarrel. Why? He said, because you, and you know, the flower and the flower, all flesh is grass. And the greenest thereof are like what? The flowers of the field. The grass withers, and what happens? The flower fades. It happens even in America too. So the flower they bring doesn't last more than 24 hours. So you put it inside water, put it in the 48 hours. After that, the flower fades. It's the word of God. The woman said, listen, in my own neighborhood, please, nobody, because she's from a rural area, poor area, that nobody buys flowers for $50. If you buy flowers for $10, it must last two years. <laughs> so she was making flour out of, you know, plants, you know, roots, you know, branches, leaves, you know, sticks, and then paper. She could, no, she would do paper. Looking very rich. Finally, says that, so, Edison, how to love your wife, how to, is as you like it. What am I going to emphasize? It's not all of those things that make marriage successful. It's not. How does marriage become successful? Ministry of the word and prayer. I'm serious about it. Is ministry of the word and prayer. And that's what Satan distracts us from. That's what he distracts us from. Makes us forget those things. They are the little things that help us succeed. And they are the ones we easily think we can forget. You know, once my wife and I started in the house, we're not perfect yet, but we keep improving. We start and say, oh girl, it will not work like this. What happens is that the children wake up in the morning, get ready, bathe, do this, do their homework. Then before they go to school, they will now come and pray. I know what that means. Many times, it is, um, please pray with them in the car as you are going. Why? Because by the time you finish all of those things, it's already 20 minutes to 8. And you are dropping people in like three places. Everybody entered So one day I said, baby, come, let's sit down, let's talk. Of all these they do in the morning, which one is most important? It says prayer and the ministry of the word. I said, in that case, it will be first. I don't care whether they are doing exam or they are not doing exam. That is number one. So we now we wrote the arrangement. That when you wake up in the morning, you know, because waking people up to come and pray is not very good. They will, they will do so. Everybody choose one or two. You either go and have your bath or you go and eat. Just to keep everybody awake. Then, that's the awakening process. It's time to pray. Then rush the rest. Rush dressing up. Rush revision. Rush every other thing. You will live long like that. Why is that the prayer we want to rush? Why is that the ministry of the word? That's the one we want to rush. Is that not a sign that we don't have true faith in it? I used to happen to me. Those days, <laughs> when I'm going, coming to preach in kingdom word. The, you know, you want to do every other thing. And if I may take light, you know, iron, do this one, get in, cut your hair. The last minute, ah, no. And of course, there's never time. If you want to not have time, put the important things last. 
But if you want to have time, put the important thing first. Put the word first. Put the word first. Listen. Listen. Put the word first. There is never... After I said, no, 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 no. I will settle down coolly. Take my Bible. Meditate. Do everything I want to do. I can see time is going. It doesn't matter. I said, it is more profitable to wear a squeeze shirt to preach than to have a squeeze soul to preach. I hope you're getting my point. I mean, it's more profitable. And what God is asking us for in this life, eh, is just to show him our sense of value. Just to show him what matters to us. I was saying something earlier, let me say it again. If you are going to go far in life, you must join, you must, of course, you have joined your cult already. But you must operate it. That's what we are saying. You must operate it. Next time you want to pray for people, you want to pray to people who have joined cults, don't go there. Oh, you wicked soul. The soul that sins you shall die. The Satan you are serving today, one day is going to turn on you. And... Bros, have mercy. He didn't join out of love for Satan. He's trying to preserve his life. One of my family friends the other day, I was talking with my mom about it. The children were angry that their father joined cult, you know, those kind of things. So my mother was concerned because so now I went and sat him down and said, elderly person, say please, these are the problems your children have with you. Is it true that you join these things, that you do all of these things? You know what the man said? The man said it is true. He said, but it is for their sake. Is for the protection of everybody. He said, I come from an extended family where they struggle for thrones and titles. Everybody, we have to be safe. Oh, you think everybody join because they are looking for who to kill? Most of them are just trying to stay alive. They have built businesses. Enemies are against them. They have been, they've been to court needlessly. I mean, this land is theirs. Everybody, but the person who's dragging them to court, I've seen people drag. Is this not like some people just shoot other people? Eh? You, you understand why? If I don't shoot you physically, I will go to the court, break a mirror on your head. You have a stroke, you will die. Oh, you think those are jokes? Those who are seeing a whole movie, forget that they paint faces. Those who do in real life, they don't paint anything. <laughs> Look. And you, you, you. <laughs> We believers, there is no enchantment against Jacob. No divination works against Israel. I hope you get my point. What I want us to understand is that that power of God for us, you know where it is? It's in the word and in prayer. We don't run up and down. We're not afraid of anybody. We're not afraid. So, you know, I'll tell you something. So, when some of those people that enter cults, eh? When you want to talk to them, tell them, say, I have more money than you and I can have more than you. I'm not joining anything. Do you know why? I'm already in the highest of the cults. No Weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. I said, ah, you mean you don't use anything? I use. This is what I use. Show him a Bible. But I don't run up and down like you. My God does not, deserve, does not require the life of my children. He does not require any dangerous thing. What he just requires from me is what? Obedience to his will. What has he given me? He's given me the sacrifices to offer. What are his own sacrifices? Praise and worship. What are his own sacrifices? A life lived that's pleasing to him. I don't run to any graveyard. I don't go to a strange place to have meetings. But those of us who are inside, listen to this. 
We have our own things we do. Each person, God will give you yours. And there are simple things. That's what I'm going to emphasize. There are simple things like take that Psalm 18 and read. Take it and not just read for reading now, but the the prince talks about the power of proclamation. Take it and proclaim it over your environment. It's a sense of value. Every day God is testing you. Is this important to you or not? When you are making 10,000 naira, you have time. Now you are making a billion, you don't have time. You have capped your destiny. You will deliberately make time. You will say to a billion, if you want to go, go. But you are less valuable to me than my Psalm 18. Why am I on Psalm 18 today? You will tell the billion, if you want to go, go. So any businessman that doesn't want to do business with you, say, sorry, if you say that, that executive meeting, we have fixed it, it must be, say, guys, my pastor is coming to town. I've been listening to him for the last five years. I've never met him, really. That's when he's coming to do seminar. It is three days. I'm not missing one session. I hope all of you understand. He said, no, 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 no. Look, we are discussing billions here. He said, yeah, I know. I'm discussing things that are more valuable than billions. If you want me at that meeting, shift it away from this weekend. Ah, what are you saying? The seminar started on Friday. First one is five o'clock. That guy talks for long. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know where we end. So don't even call me. I'm not trying to, I, I'm not rushing out. Next one, next morning, Saturday. So just count me out. We can discuss Sunday afternoon. Say the white men are traveling back. They will try back, they will, tra- they will come back again. Tell them I'll pay their ticket to come back another time. Every time God is testing our sense of value. I feel so strong about it today. People start prospering, suddenly they don't have time. The priestly corner of life, that's the first thing they cut off to make time. And when they fall sick now, that's the one they want to solve their problem. The priestly corner of life doesn't make sense. Sometimes just for some people, just sleep. Say, read that Bible lying down. Don't get up to read it. Lie down. You will fall asleep. That's what I want. When you fall asleep, sleep for two hours, then wake up again. Why? I need to prove to you that I give to my beloved even while he sleeps. Because I need to prove that. I need to prove that. I wanted to see the world work while you hold your peace. You know, in this life, eh? On that one we are praying, we are discussing. I tell the Lord sometimes, I say, listen. If one of our sisters, one day we had our meeting, we were talking about it, say, ah. Some people say, God, oh, I don't care whether you use me. Say, me, I care. That this life, I must see the power of God work. I, I don't know. Are you getting my point? Yes. I must see it work. I must see it. Simeon said, now my, I can depart that my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. There are things I just must see in life. I must see people who have all kinds of money, join all kinds of cults, gather together. And one small boy, one small girl with no, knowing nobody physically, nothing generally, just having declared the word early in the morning, comes out and overruns all of them. Fulfilling the word of God that David said in that Psalm 18, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. The Lord has sent in my hand for war. He has strained my arms for war. I can bend a bow made of steel, made of bronze. Ah, do you get my point? 
Those are the kind of things you, you know, you must see. You don't, you see, go and read that book of Acts chapter 20. Is it chapter 20 now? I'm not very sure. But in Ephesus, when Paul began to preach, he preached in the school of Tyrannus constantly for two years, every day. That's when he heard stories like handkerchiefs taken from the hand of, from the body of Paul was taken to the sick and they were healed and demons left the ones that were possessed. You think he just came and said, I'm Paul. No. It is being immersed, soaked in that word, morning, afternoon, and evening. This one we call church. I told that if Paul and Cole come, they'll be wondering. These are Christians. First one we are praying, they say, ah, why all the noise? That's the first thing. Secondly, Paul will come to church on Sunday. He'll be back on Monday. The way they say they've gone to work. We say, when are they coming? Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening. Wait, are they Christians? Say yes. You are sure? I will not see them till Wednesday evening. So, oh God, Paul, you know, we have, paid, we have paid the tithe of our time on Sunday. The Wednesday is the offering of the time. Sadhu Sunda Singh, the Indian Christian of those days, they believed that the man was translated. They never saw his dead body. You know how long it used to take ships to move across the ocean? He got to New York. He said, You come and preach. He walked around the city for one day, took the next ship and left. He said, Why? He said, These people cannot hear the word of God. Why? Because Sadhu Sundar Singh used to teach for three weeks at the go. He didn't understand services at eight, we are closing at ten. So after moving around something, everybody, he entered the next boat. You know, you know get my point. You enter a bus from Enugu to Lagos to go and preach to some people. As you were on the road for seven hours. As soon as you got there, you looked at them, entered the next vehicle and came back. Now your wife was so shocked to say, are you back? Yes. Why? They are not ready. The guy took the next boat and went back home. Why? He said, these people are not ready. Because Sadhu Sundar Singh, he will sit you down for weeks at a go. He will teach and teach and teach and teach. You will take a break, go and eat, you will come back. Do you know, you know, you reason about it. That's what Jesus used to do. Why do you think he taught until everybody was hungry? Do you know why? They didn't come there empty. They came with their food. The one they came with had finished. They had finished digesting it. They shared with their neighbors that had finished. Jesus taught and taught and taught. For this, they were there. Finally, there was nothing again. That's what the guy said, guys, look, let's talk to the Lord. He has to stop this service. Why? So they can go and go and find something to eat. And I said, no, 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 no. I've kept them for this one. Let them eat here. But you know, if you gather Christians, <laughs> when you start the service by five, five, Pastor Banks has preached by five, by six, people are <laughs> checking their wristwatches. Don't they twist wristwatch? Don't they twist wristwatch? Don't they twist, you know, when you say people don't spoil. No, we're all, we're spoiled. That's what they call it. People are spoiled. We're spoiled. The Christianity of those that produce a kind of power. We're talking about those days. Even recent times. Go and listen to people like the, the John G. Lake and Co. When they gather for camp meeting. The camp meeting is two weeks. They are preaching morning, afternoon, and night. Oh, come to church. How many? <laughs> oh, we pastors are now the ones that have spoiled it well. Because we started priding ourselves in three services. You know, there was a time competition the number of services was an issue. How many services do you guys have? We have four services. What? Four services? Church has grown. My four services is a sign of small hall. Get the bigger hall to be one service. Sometimes, some, you know, some people have this, this is our kind of hall. They say they're having three services. You'll be laughing at them and say, 
The church next door, the Catholic church next door, has only one service. It's seven times your size. Don't impress me. <laughs> but we, 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 no, we're not turning to no rapid results. First service is 7 a.m. to 8, 8.30. Second service is 8.45. One and a half hours. That one and a half hours, what do we do? Praise worship, shouting prayer. Are you getting my point? So communal prayer, you should bring out a long prayer, recite some psalms, declare some words, lead people in declaration. We won't do that. We shout, 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 shout. And somebody will come. Praise worship. Praise is what? Do you want a revolution? Oh, oh, do you want a revolution? Oh, oh. <laughs> do that for five minutes. I'm serious. After that, somebody say, let us now enter into worship. Now worship, worship, hallelujah. The pastor will now come on like superstar, discharge something for 35 minutes. Take announcement for another 10 minutes, then we close, we go home. And we, you know, and we Christians think we, we, are, we are doing church. If that pastor dares keep us from 8 o'clock to 6 p.m., next week we find another church. The man comes with an anointing to pour the word. No, we find another church. No, really, I think pastors, we should start. Tell them prayer before service is one and a half hours. Yes, one and a half hours. Everybody, let us start praying. We'll give you 10 minutes for shouting. No? Your shouting is what you want, no problem. But we, you will take the scriptures and declare, declare, they will declare the word. Meditate on it, declare. One and a half hours. And when we want, look, we don't want somebody who can sing. We want somebody who can lead praise. We give you the microphone. We will worship God. You will fall down. You will get up. When you finish, two hours. Then me, I'm waiting for my turn. <laughs> when I grab you, if I first tell you after the worship, everybody, tea break, now eat something. Why? I'm about to start. <laughs> when I grab you, service is from 8 o'clock. Then you go home, that is 6 o'clock. Listen to me, I'm not joking about this. If we do that regularly, all this rubbish that we experience, we will stop experiencing them. Bony people will see you and run. You know, we are not serious. That is why there's argument. No, I'm convinced. What's paining me is that we have turned this our laziness into a habit. It's now the mark of church. You close on time. Where are you running to? Tomorrow, on Sunday, you preach for three hours. No, serious. You do it in sessions. If you, are, if you say, well, you're tired, you say, I'm going to take my tea, I'm coming. Give somebody else a little break. No. no, until we turn this thing to serious life. You don't just tip God one hour on Sunday morning, you should be grateful. Because you came for one hour, it should bless you. And as see pastors preach it. You preach everlasting sermon. The church will not grow. Let it not grow. The Lord is good. Let me end it. The priestly corner of life are those things we do. They're not directly connected to the, you know, the productivity outside. But there are things that really connect us with the power of the Spirit. For us believers, primarily centered around what? The ministry of the Word and prayer. And there are other things which we may talk about in that time. I'm not talking about it in this series. Just the way you spend your money. Some of them that's part of it. But today I'm just focusing on this priestly corner of life 
as we use our time focusing on the ministry of the word and prayer. Now, don't laugh about what I'm about to say. I say once in a while. Please remind when I come again, the thing I wanted to preach today, we will now preach it. I hope you are blessed. Let's bow down here. Let's give Lord thanks. Let's give Lord thanks. Let's give thanks. Let's say, Father, thank you.